Oh my god, what's up party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter or at Romancing Nancy on Twitter until it implodes, which is going to happen any second now. This week's episode is Pure Poison, which is number 29 in the Nancy Drew Files. This was published in November of 1988, and that'll be important in a second. Um, The cover, before we get too deep into this. This has like one of my favorite covers of the files, honestly. Nancy is staring off past our shoulders, looking at something very intently. She is wearing a oversized blue blazer, which looks like she borrowed it from her dad's closet because it's it's doing a lot got some big shoulders um it's like a powder blue and it's got one button um underneath it she's wearing probably like a white slip dress thing happening like maybe a pencil skirt idk also some pearls and she's also wearing white tights because how do you tell somebody that you mean business white fucking tights y'all um her hair is like completely red at this point and she's wearing some cute earrings she's doing a lot of good work but she looks really classy. I'm pretty sure that she does not wear this outfit at any point during this actual book. Behind her is a man with blonde hair looking kind of shifty. <laughs> and in the background is Nancy, who is like kind of crouched beside a car looking into the distance where another car is on fire behind her because she's a badass who's got a car on fire behind her and it's like, I've got other shit to be worried about. And I'm that honestly is a true depiction of this book. Um, yeah. 29 is a callback to number seven, actually. If you remember, and you're like, yes, of course, I've got them all memorized by number, but a slight recap might be in order here. Uh, number seven is Deadly Doubles, and that's the one where Nancy is helping out her friend, Senator Marilyn Kilpatrick, who is a family friend, um, because Teresa Montenegro has entered the country, and she's the tennis professional who is being pursued by death squads from San Carlos, her home country, which, again is going through a revolution slash CIA uprising. So fun times all around. This book is the repercussions of that shit. But the problem is that because this is Nancy Drew Files, um, that means that book seven happened like a few months ago, (laughs) which is clearly wrong. But anyway, it's fine. Remember, we're in the same summer that repeats over and over, but we keep building new memories. It's fine. It's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind at all points. So, also, for the purposes of this book, because when I was doing book seven, I don't think I was doing fantasy casting at that point. For this book, Senator Marilyn Kilpatrick will be played by Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Because why the fuck not? Um, They make a point in this that Marilyn Kilpatrick was the first woman elected senator from Illinois, which I was like, huh, so I checked it out, and that would be Carol Mosley Braun in 1993, I believe, actually, so I do like that they were like, girl boss, we're gonna girl boss some shit, lady power, Um, so anyway, so this was clearly like a, I guess, aspirational on the part of the ghostwriter, but anyway, and of course, um, Marilyn Kilpatrick is an old family friend and is besties with Carson. And there's some, is there some unresolved tension between them? Maybe a, a touch, a smidge. Anyway, so at the beginning of this book, Marilyn Kilpatrick calls Nancy and is like, hey, um, so I've got a thing if you would like to come visit me in Washington for senator business. And it's a matter of life or death. And Nancy's like, 
Do you mean like literally because last time I was legit pursued by death squads? Do you remember that? And her dad is like, you can go as long as there's no death squads involved. And Nancy's like, I'm sure there's not with her fingers crossed behind her back. He's like, you're not getting on the next plane. And Nancy's like, oh, bitch, I am. Because reasons. Yeah. And he's like, well, just don't get in trouble. Like, he's just giving up at this point. He's like, you're going to do you. John Hamm is like, I gave birth to you. I raised you. I, I'm behind this. I created this. So I guess I just need to accept it. So Nancy goes to Washington by herself. I want to... Mm, remember last book when I was like, yes, Nancy's on a cruise just solving shit single-handedly. At this point, like, she is legit solving shit single-handedly. Anyway. So, Nancy goes to Washington. Um, I think that actually um, Marilyn puts her up in, like, a an airport hotel for the night or whatever. But anyway, as soon as she gets into town, she's she meets with Nancy. I think that Nancy goes to her office. Yeah, because the guy there is like, oh, you're cute. She's like, yeah, and I'm taken, so shut the fuck up. Anyway, so he's he's farting real hard. He's he's Michael Hobbs, but straight. Um. <laughs> anyway, so Nancy goes to talk to her, and she's like, yeah, we let's let's go for a walk. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. And so they go leave her office, and Marilyn's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my office is bugged. And Nancy's like, are you fucking serious? And Marilyn's like, yeah, yeah, I am. So here's the sitch. Here's the 411 from Sigourney. Um, Marilyn Kilpatrick was at a party recently at at the home of a old just, anyway, it's Washington, a politician. So she was at this party and this bitch walks over to her and she's like, hey girl, hey. And Marilyn Kilpatrick, of course, is like, I'm a classy lady and I will not rise to your bait. So, um, for this, oh, Daryl Hannah. Okay. Her name is Beverly Bishop, but I want you to picture Daryl Hannah. Um, but like super catty. So still Daryl Hannah. Um, anyway, she's like, she is a gossip columnist. So I was like, so she's TMZ basically is what you're telling me. She's the trashy gossip columnist. She's not the head of hopper. She's not the classy one. Um, she's like, Marilyn's like, she never forgave me for not giving her an exclusive when I first came to Washington. And I was like, who, what gossip columnist is like, oh, fuck yeah, a lady senator who has a squeaky clean past. Perfect. Anyway, so she's like, this book I have coming out, you are going to regret not being besties with me. And then Daryl Hannah just flounces off and Marilyn Kilpatrick is like, shit. And Nancy's like, um, what, what does she have on you, girl? Like, what did you do? And Marilyn Kilpatrick is like, so I may have greased the wheels to get Teresa out of San Carlos. Just, just a bit, just a bit of bribery, just a little, just, you know, it's one banana, Michael. Um, (laughs) and so Nancy's like, okay and Marilyn Kilpatrick is like I've, I've been like a really good person like this was just it was for a good reason and Nancy's like I know I know Teresa's awesome like you made the right call but she's like yeah if that came out like people might get mad at me and Nancy's like but it was for a good reason and Marilyn's like I know but I think that's the reason so oh, okay so the problem is of course that if that came out, like, Teresa would be in danger because political reasons. So, so Nancy's like, well, of course, I'll do everything I can to help you. Sure, sure. So her first idea is uh, they want to go see Teresa and make sure she's okay. 
when they go over to Teresa's place, um, they knock on the door and yeah, she's not there at that point, but they see like blood coming out from under the door. And I was like, it's the Amityville horror is what you're telling me. This, her apartment is the Amityville horror. Um, they managed to bust, I think that Nancy, um, actually pulls out her lockpick kit at this point because I know she uses it later in the book. Um, so she gets into the apartment and somebody has like trashed the place and they've written silence or death and like in fake blood on the wall. Nancy's like, yeah, this is not real blood. I'm quite familiar with both real blood and stage blood. And this is clearly the latter for reasons. Ned and I don't do this on the weekends. It's fine. Um, you know, vampire cosplay. Um, so Marilyn, of course, is freaking out. And the other thing that happens, and I think it happens, like, even when they're in the office, maybe, is that Beverly Bishop slash Daryl Hannah flounces in and is like, I know you sent me these threatening letters. And Marilyn Kilpatrick's like, um, I'm sorry, what? And she's like, they're drenched in your perfume. And Daryl Hannah. And Nancy's like, uh, what what do they say though and it's like not recognizable it's like you know cut out of a magazine or some shit but it's like publish or perish and I was like huh no publish and perish is what it says and so but Beverly's like I know you did this this is just gonna add ammunition to my book and of course Sigourney Weaver's like I don't know what you're talking about I would never I'm not like that oh my god also I want to just put you in a headlock and murder you but no it's fine so anyway so Nancy's like okay so Beverly slash Daryl Hannah thinks that Marilyn Kilpatrick slash Sigourney Weaver is trying to like basically intimidate her out of publishing the book and she's like I'm going to publish and everybody's going to know that you're a, a hypocrite and blah, blah, blah. And the interesting, as a side note, the interesting thing about this book and the thing that I realized when I was rereading is Nancy and her father are definitely not like identified politically in any way. And Marilyn Kilpatrick is not really identified politically any, in any way. But the things that she says are basically coded as Democrat and like this whole like, oh, I, I do my best to not make enemies. I work with people, even if they're of the other political party and blah, blah. And like very much like centrist. And I was like, interesting, interesting. So she just, Marilyn Kilpatrick is like very aware of her role and her status as like the the first female senator from her state. And so she's like, I, I just need to, you know, I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to make anybody mad at me, et cetera. So she's just really like, losing her shit over this also she's pretty sure that the congressman from her state is about to declare for her seat and she ain't here for that shit either the guy in question is a war hero remember how i said this came out in 1988 in the book they say oh he was a vietnam war hero and i was like hold up because i had to think about it for a second okay the target audience for this book would have been about 12, 13, the Vietnam War would have been outside their experience um, because later in the book it's referred to as like 1967, 1968, etc. So like 20 years before this book is set is when that was supposed to have happened. So I was just like, that 
that's fascinating because usually they, tr- especially in the older books, they tried to shy away from any sort of anything that was going to locate the books that way. But in this, like, you've got them referring to the USSR, and you've got them referring to the KGB, and the CIA, and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, interesting, interesting. Anyway, so, anyway, um, so, Teresa, they're, they're back at her place. Remember, it says, silence or death. They walk in, and Teresa walks in, and she screams, and she's like, oh my god, I get, what, what the fuck? And, and it's just distraught. And Nancy and Marilyn are like, oh no, it's, it's fine, um, just uh, pack some stuff and we're going to take you back to Maryland's place. Yeah. So they decide to stay there that night. And Nancy attached a plan as she is wont to do. And she's decided that she is going to go to Beverly Bishop slash Daryl Hannah the next day as Teresa. And because they're pretty sure, because Marilyn's like, that's the only thing that she could have on me. Like, it's the only thing. I cannot think of anything else that she could possibly have dug up. And it would also be super dangerous. So... So she said, Nancy's like, okay, I will go to her as Teresa. I will beg her not to publish this story because it would be dangerous for me. Like, Nancy and Marilyn Kilpatrick are convinced that if the story were to come out, that Teresa's life would immediately be in danger to the point that they're like, uh, witness protection. So, so it's like that level of, oh shit. So that night, um, I remember Nancy and Teresa look very similar to each other. They're doppelgangers, and all Nancy has to do is put on some slightly different foundation, and she's there. She's like, it'll be difficult without Bess here because Bess did it, but it's fine. I'll figure it out. Um, So she looks at Teresa like they're just watching TV and stuff, and she's like, oh, Teresa, I really love the way you did your hair. And Teresa's like, oh, let me show you. Nancy's like, yeah, it's perfect, because she doesn't want to tell Teresa what she's going to do. So, and then she's like, oh, Teresa, can I borrow a sweater? Because um, Marilyn's housekeeper, like, is washing mine or something. And Teresa's like, borrow anything, girl. You, we're besties. We look so similar to each other. It's fine. We're like twins. And so Nancy's like, okay, bye. So, anyway. The next morning, Nancy gets up, colors her hair slightly darker, as one does, um, puts on her olive tinted foundation and sneaks into Teresa's room and gets a lavender sweater. And she's like, all right, I'm good. So she's like, I already have the charcoal pants that I would need to wear with this. She goes to Beverly Bishop's slash Daryl Hannah's office first off. And is like, I wanted to see you and and talk to you about something very important. And Beverly Bishop's like, I bet you do girl. Daryl Hannah just sitting there being a bitch before she even gets in there though. Um, Somebody, like, is in there yelling at her, who is sounding deeply Southern, even more Southern by the second. And she's like, if you print this, it'll, like, it'll ruin me, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I don't care. You should have thought of that before you did it. And she's like, if you publish this, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then she stomps out, and the receptionist is like, oh, it's okay. People threaten her all the time. And Nancy's like, she's a bitch. She's just a flat-out bitch, y'all. Anyway, so Nancy goes in, and she's like, um... And she's like copying Teresa's mannerisms. It's so it's so cute. She's like, "Oh yes, I am with this slight Spanish accent. Um, I am hoping that you do not publish this." And Beverly's like, "Well, you know, it kind of sucks to be you. Y'all should have thought this through." And again, Teresa wasn't any part of this fucking decision. Beverly's like, "Oh, do you want to tell me like?" can you give me an exclusive? Because Teresa has been very secretive. And she's like, no, not at this time. And once she's figured out that no, it's not going to come out. And she's like, 
can you tell me anything about the book? And Beverly's like, um, so it's a great book. Everyone's going to love it. It's going to sell a million copies. Then she's like, okay, so the big four that she's going to talk about, like, these are the ones, the big final chapters that everybody's going to be like, oh my God, yes, TMZ, yes, more. Um, she can't tell Teresa who it is. She's like, I mean, I'm guessing one of them is Marilyn. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you would be right. Um, but she tells Nancy slash Teresa that three of the chapters are already typed up and are like on their way to her publisher. Like they're about to be on the way to publisher. And that the fourth one is one that she's got the notes for that, but she needs to write up. And Nancy's like, oh, thank you for that information. That's very helpful. So... <laughs> She also says, and this is hilarious to me, is that um, her book is not going to be edited. She was like, no, that's, that's part of my contract. Every word is golden. I'm perfect. Um, and she also has like a dictaphone. Like she doesn't have a typewriter or anything in her office because she's above all that shit. She just has a dictaphone. So she's like, yes, I'm going to dictate it and it's going to be amazing. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, oh, good, good to know. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be out within like three weeks. And I was like, that is no, no, okay. Um, that, no, sure. That's not how any of that works, but okay. Anyway, so, so she's just a bitch to Nancy and, and Nancy ain't here for it. Nancy does talk to Marilyn and she's like, so who's her biggest rival? Because she might have an idea about what's in this book. So her name is Jillian. And so Nancy's like, okay, after I go see Beverly, I'm going to go see Jillian. And I'll be like, so I saw her and she was mean to me. And I thought that maybe I'll give you an exclusive, blah, blah. So that's what she does. She goes over to Jillian's place and she's like, hey, um, so I just, and she was like, you just want to talk to Beverly. And Nancy's like, how did you? And she's like, I know everything. And Nancy's like, cool, who's who's in the book? <laughs> and so Jillian tells Nancy slash Teresa that Marilyn Kilpatrick is almost certainly in it because Beverly has had it out for her since day one. She says that, and Nancy's like, are you in the book? And Jillian's like, probably because we hate each other. Like, we would happily slit each other's throats. It's a hey-hey relationship. There's, there's no love getting through. It's just real, real bad. Um, the other one she mentions is Della Hawk, who is the one who was yelling at Beverly in her office. The one who was actually, she was having the party and that's the party where Beverly came over and was like, I'm going to get you sucker. So yeah. Um, but they don't know who the fourth one is. And Nancy's like, Hmm, good, good to know. Good to know. And so Jillian's like, Teresa, can you give me an exclusive? Because tell me everything about your life. Um, you know, what's going on? What, what did Marilyn do? And Nancy's like, oh, I can't talk right now. Bye. <laughs> anyway, so, so now Nancy's like, okay, so now I know that the, there are four people who are at risk basically. Um, and one of them is threatening Beverly and pretending to be Marilyn. So that's good to know. So Jillian or Della or this mysterious fourth person. So Nancy goes to Marilyn Kilpatrick's office to tell her what she's found out so far. And when she walks in, Marilyn like is standing at the window, pensive, like a heroine in a romance novel. And she swings around and she has a gun in her fucking hand. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
She's like, oh my God, I told my dad I wasn't going to get hurt. And here she is just with a gun to me. And Marilyn Kilpatrick's like, oh, oh my God, you scared the shit out of me. I'm sorry, sorry. It's not loaded. And Nancy's like, don't care. Fucking put it down. What are you doing with a gun? And Marilyn Kilpatrick is like, well, I got it for Teresa for her safety. And Nancy's like, sure, sure you did. Okay, um, what? <laughs> and Marilyn's like, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just... I have a really bad feeling that she's in so much danger and, and I just, you know, want to do whatever I can. And Nancy's like, I, I don't like any part of this, but okay. And apparently she got it legally and she's got a permit, blah, blah, of course, because, you know, Senator, it would look real, real bad if she was just buying a car out of the a trunk of somebody's car. So anyway, so Nancy's like, okay, well, um, let me go catch up with Teresa and make sure she's doing okay and we'll just meet you back at home. And also, um... Marilyn Kilpatrick has arranged for Dan Prosky to be guarding Teresa. Dan and Bess, like, instantly hit it off in the last book. Well, in book seven, which is the, the last book with Teresa Montenegro and, and Senator Marilyn Kilpatrick. Um, so they hit it off, and Nancy was like, she had it bad for him. And then he ghosted her. Or, like, he said he was going to come visit, and he did not. So... I got mixed feelings. Bess's heart was broken for like a week until she went out on a date with somebody else. And I was like, and got banged thoroughly. So anyway, so Nancy's like, okay, um, are we going to tell him everything? And Marilyn's like, no, we are not going to tell him everything. So I think like, this is the weirdest thing. Like Marilyn's like, oh, what do you guys want for dinner? Vietnamese food? And Nancy's like, um, I've never had Vietnamese food, but sure. That sounds great. So Marilyn's like, okay, well, I'll stop by the restaurant and pick it up, and, and we'll eat, and um, Beverly Bishop is supposed to be on, like, a late show tonight, so we can see if she drops any clues, and he's just like, sounds great, absolutely. So, um, after they get home, and they're eating and everything, and Teresa's, like, feeling really nervous about everything, um, and Marilyn's like, oh, I got you a gun, and Teresa's like, I, I, don't, I don't want a gun. I have seen enough guns for the rest of my life. I'm I'm cool with not having a gun. And Marilyn's like, it was in my purse. Huh. Huh. It's not here. And Nancy's like, well, the last time I saw it, you were putting it back in your desk drawer. And Marilyn's like, it must be there. Could have sworn I put it in my purse. For those of you who were like, Chekhov's gun, you are 100% correct. 100. So... Marilyn's like, well, let me go back to my office and get it because I don't want to, like, leave it unattended or anything. And Nancy's like, good plan. So she goes back. Dan calls, and he's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'll be there at, like, 9 o'clock tomorrow. And Nancy's like, fabulous. Um, So Marilyn calls, and she's like, Nancy, I can't find the fucking gun. And Nancy's like, what do you mean you can't find it? And she was like, I'll, I'll be right there, but I, I must, I don't know. I don't know where it is. And Nancy's like, that's real, real fucked up, y'all. Real, get back here immediately. So, Marilyn comes back. Um, Nancy's like, okay, when did you last see it? And she's like, oh, okay, I got it out of my desk drawer, put it in my purse um, to come home to go by the Vietnamese place. And Nancy's like, okay, so the only opportunity somebody would have had to steal it is maybe out of your car at the Vietnamese restaurant? And she's like, no. Like, I no, I wouldn't have left the gun unattended. And Nancy's like... Okay, so a gun is heavy. Um, 
your purse didn't feel lighter at any point? And Marilyn's like, no, it doesn't feel lighter now. And so they go through her fucking purse and there's like a lead weight in her sunglasses case. And she's like, what the fuck? And Nancy's like, yeah, somebody took the gun and put a weight in your purse so that you wouldn't miss it. So this was intentional. You didn't misplace this. Somebody fucking did this. You need to call the cops and report it stolen immediately. And so Marilyn Kilpatrick is like, oh, it's going to look bad because I'm a... And Nancy's like, it's going to look fucking worse when it's used for a fucking crime. So pick up the fucking phone. <laughs> and so she's like, okay. So she calls the cops and reports it missing. They're watching the news because they're waiting for the late interview to come on when um, the reporter's like, yes, and um, Senator Matt, what's his face? Layton? Yeah. Senator Matt Layton has, is talking about his new economic plan. And I was like, he's a Republican. Um, <laughs> and they were like, and there's a six month, like the, the, I thought that the like just casual news stories were kind of fascinating where it was like the six months old, but it's being fought over in Philadelphia had, had a court case today. And I was like, what? Tell me more. But anyway, so the news person is handed a bulletin and they're like, this just in, Beverly Bishop has been murdered. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? And the person is like, and again, Beverly Bishop has been murdered in her office. And I was like, most of the time people wait to notify next to Kim, but okay, okay, just splash some blood all over that screen. And they're like, BT Dub, she's going to be interviewed for the late show. That that was taped earlier today, so that'll be airing soon. And like, just absolutely no registering like, and the dead lady is going to be in an interview. So, and not even like, we're going to pull it for like reasons that we're not going to be ghoulish about. No, no, we're going to plow through this because this is going to make that book even hotter. This posthumous like unmasking of everyone. So anyway, so they um, set the VCR to record and they had their asses out of there. So <laughs> Nancy and Marilyn go to the crime scene, as one does. They run into the cat, like Lieutenant Flynn, I think, who was the guy from the last book. And she's like, Marilyn Kilpatrick was like, oh, yes, this is Nancy. And he's like, oh, yes, of course. I will never forget you. Who were you helping? Who was that person? Oh, yes, Teresa. Here's the fucking thing. Teresa is a tennis pro, and everybody else in the fucking book knows who Teresa is. Like, some of them mistake her for Teresa. But this guy's like, yeah, there's some sports person, but you're Nancy Drew. And she's like, I mean, I am, though. Like, buffing her nails on her shirt. Yes, it is me. It is. You can get an, um, an autograph if you feel it. Anyway, so they're talking to him, and she's like, Marilyn Kilpatrick wants to get there because she, if there are any notes at the crime scene that could be, you know, incriminating about her, she wants to kind of head that shit off. So she's like, okay, so um, did you find any notes? And he's like, absolutely not. And Nancy's like, so all those file cabinets in her office. And he's like, full of accessories. I love this for her. Her file cabinets are full of like belts and scarves and hats and purses. Like there ain't nothing else going on upstairs. It's just like, I'm going to need to take off slash put on something Coco Chanel before I walk out this door. So I need to be ready at all times. Absolutely nothing. Nancy does notice when she looks down at the body that apparently the heel has broken off her shoe. And Nancy's like, those shoes look brand fucking new. Like, was there such a violent struggle that like her heel actually snapped off, like what's going on here? And 
according to the cops, it's like she was talking to somebody that she apparently didn't feel threatened by because there was like, it just looks like it was one shot, one kill. And that was it. They do say that the um, office smelled like ladies perfume when they walked in. And so that's pretty sus. And Nancy's like, Huh, I wonder if it's the same perfume that Marilyn wears. No, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to go. We're going to go now. They're by. Oh, the dictaphone. Because you just wanted it to hear me say that again. Um, Is empty. They have found the place where the tapes would have been empty. The machine is gone. Like, all the tapes are gone. I think the machine itself is still there. But they do find a shred of tape left in the dictaphone. And I was like, of course you do. Because that's doesn't seem at all how that would work. But okay. Sure, we'll take it. Okay, so to recap. The book is, like, whatever manuscript pages were written are gone. Like, she had told Nancy that she had three chapters already written up. They're gone. They have no idea where they are. Um, one of those is apparently implicating Marilyn Kilpatrick. And Nancy can't find it. She doesn't want it to get to the publisher. She wanted to dissuade Beverly from printing it at all, and that didn't work. So just batting a thousand. Daryl Hannah's dead. There's there's no getting back from that. So Nancy goes back to watch. She goes back to the apartment. They tell Teresa what happened. Teresa's like, that's fucking horrible. Because Teresa even offered to go talk to her, um, to talk to Beverly Bishop. Marilyn went and pled in person, and it was like, nope, nope, bitch. Nope, going to make a bunch of money off you. So they go back and they're watching the interview and this is when she's like, yes, I'm going to reveal so many things about so many people. Yes, yes. Her name was apparently Poison Pen. Like that was the way people referred to her. And I was like, of course. Um, but Nancy notices that she's she fidgets with the heel of her shoe during the interview, like one time. And Nancy looks at it and she's like, shit, yeah. And then somebody knocks on the door, and when they open it, it's Dan, and he's like, hey, I'm here to, I was just checking in, I heard that things have been pretty crazy, and Nancy's like, get in the fucking car, we gotta go. And Dan's like, uh, what? And she's like, I've, I've got to leave, we gotta go to the morgue. So, they get their asses in the car, and they go to the fucking morgue. Um, as you don't remember, um, Dan is an ex-cop, which sounds hilariously like he was fired for sassing off to his boss. Or maybe he's just a maverick. Anyway, um, so... When he goes to the Emmy, the Emmy's like, been a hot minute, huh? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it has. Good to see you over a corpse. How you doing? How are things? What's the sitch? Anything new in corpses? Anyway, so they go to rifle through her belongings, and Nancy finds the heel of her shoe has, conceals, if you, like, swing it to the side, conceals a very small compartment with a key in it. Here was my thought. Does she have secret compartments in all of her shoes or just this one specific pair so that she can keep that key on her at all times? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the book does not tell us. Um, anyway, so it's fine. Nancy gets the key out. It has like number 663 on it, I think, something like that, or 612. Anyway, it starts with a six. It's like a small key. It looks like it could be a locker key or something like that. And so Nancy's like, okay, huh, okay. And then she's like, well, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find whatever this key unlocks. It could be, you know, a locker at a bus station or at an airport terminal or whatever, but I'm going to find it and it's going to help me figure this out. And so she's feeling really good about this. Like, she's like, hey, it's good. It's at this point, like four o'clock in the morning. Um, 
and she's talking to Dan and she's really excited about the case and she has to be really careful about what she's talking to him about and she does Dan is like okay can you, you you need to tell me what's going on like why why all this urgency and secrecy like why is Marilyn so like upset about this particular person's death and Nancy's like um so Marilyn did something and it's something that if it came out under the wrong circumstances that people might look down on her for and he's like like what specifically and Nancy's like absolutely not going to tell you that's that's the thing for Marilyn to tell you which is what Marilyn said she was like Dan like idolizes me and I don't want to I don't want to fuck with that I just don't want to fuck with that and Nancy's like I respect that that's fine so anyway they're in the car and it's like four o'clock in the fucking morning and like Dan's like I don't know who'd be following us at this hour and Nancy looks behind him and she's like oh someone is there so they do evasive maneuvers they try to get away from them um Dan pulls around a corner really sharply and breaks the car and is like Nancy get out now and she so she like rolls out of the car <laughs> hides behind some cars um the car that was pursuing them stops after Dan has roared off and is like, they, he let her out here. And so Nancy's hiding and like desperate to make sure that nothing happens. She looks under the car. The person who is chasing her is wearing like two-tone wingtips with the tassels. I was like, perfectly 80s. Um, And so she's sitting there like holding her breath, hoping that the person doesn't find her when all of a sudden they hear this massive explosion and a fireball goes up in the in the sky. And both of them are sitting, or they're looking at it. Like Nancy's stuck behind some cars, and the guy pursuing her is apparently looking at it too, because you you can't not. And then he pauses for a minute, and then he takes off toward where it is. And Nancy's like, "Son of a bitch!" She's afraid to move. She's afraid to get out from between the cars. She's afraid that the person is gonna like look back, see her, and come after her. But also, she's like, "There's no way that anyone survived that." Dan's dead. And she just sits there for a minute. She's like well, shit, huh, and then she's like, there's nothing I can do about it now, because if he got away from it, then he's gotten away from it, and if he died in the crash, well, I can't do anything about that, and if I go to the scene of the crash, then the guy who was pursuing me is gonna find me, so, so she fucking walks it off, she just gets up, and she's like, okay, well, I gotta, um, get, get back to Marilyn's place, she doesn't do anything. Okay, she like, oh my god, I just, I just can't, y'all, I can't. Um, So she gets up, she goes to, like, she gets to a coffee shop and it's just barely opening. She's like, okay, what am I going to do? I've got to, I've got to get those book chapters. Like, I'm not going to think about Dan. Like, she legit just puts that shit out of her head. She's like, if he's dead, he's dead. Like, she does call a few hospitals and she's like, has anybody been admitted under Dan Prosky? And they're like, no. And she's like, yeah, okay. Then he, oh, well, that's, that's real fucking bad. Um, okay. Got to move on. So, <laughs> so what she decides that she needs to do is to pretend she's Teresa again and go to the publishing house and beg them not to print it. She's like, I, that's her main goal at this point is to just make sure that the pages don't go out, get out there. So, she goes to the publisher's house, to the publishing house. They're like, oh, Miss Pringle isn't in yet. It's through Pringle is the name of the press. And I love that the person in charge of it is apparently a Ms. I love that. So 
love that for her. So the secretary is like, okay, well, I'll just, um, she's not in yet, but I can take a message or here's some mail I've got to go put on her desk, blah, blah. So Nancy's like, okay, I'll just, I'm Teresa and I'm just standing here with a, it's fine. Somebody asked for a fucking autograph and she's like, yeah, I got this because she's been practicing it because of course she has. Um, so yeah, the secretary goes in there and a messenger comes up and delivers the chapters from Beverly Bishop. And he's like, sign here to Nancy. And Nancy's like, yeah. And the guy's like, is this your your first day? And she's like, yep, yep, first day, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for this. So she opens up the envelope, sees it, the fucking book chapter. Like, she takes the envelope to the bathroom, opens it up, and is like, yes. Doesn't have a chance to read them, just shoves them into her bag. And she's like, okay, okay. And then she's like, what the fuck do I do with this? Do I take it to Captain Flynn and Lieutenant whatever the fuck he is, um, do I take it to him and tell him that, you know, anybody in these chapters would have a reason to kill her, like, this is motive, or what the fuck do I do, um, do I just take him back to the publishing house and just go through with my plan and just beg him not to print him, so she's like, okay, well, I have to take him back, like, I've, I've got confirmation now, I know where they are, so she goes back in, but as soon as she walks in, she sees that there's somebody standing at the reception desk. And it's a guy wearing two-tone loafers with the tassels. And she's like, oh, shit. So she she stuffs the chapters back into her bag and hauls ass out of there. She's like, oh, no, no, got to get out of there, got to get out of So... So the thing is that at that point, she's like, okay, I've got the story chapter. I've got the chapters from the book. I've got the incarnating chapters. I've got a key. I need to track down whoever that last person was because she's like, I I need to look into this Della person. But, you know, now she's got the chapters. She's like, but I've I've got to figure out how that fourth person is. Like, this is real, real bad. So she goes around to like every... Every place she can think of in the city that could possibly, and I think that she like goes home to sleep for like an hour, but anyway, she goes around to find any place that she can possibly think of that might have that kind of locker, and she's unsuccessful. BT dubs, I think that when she goes back to like freshen up or go to have an hour nap, um, that she hears a scream and is like, was that a real scream? I guess so. And she goes out and she sees Teresa who was standing there pointing at the doorway because Dan is standing there after she had told him that he was dead. She was like, yeah, he took one for the team, y'all. He's there. He's disheveled. He looks like he's been an explosion, but he's there. And so Teresa's like, oh my God. And Dan's like, he's dead. And Nancy's like, who's dead? And he's like, the person in the car that was after us. And Nancy's like, tell me everything. So Dan says that, like, a few blocks from where he dropped Nancy off, he ran into construction, and there was, like, an open manhole in the ground or some shit. He managed to veer around it, but the person behind him did not make it around it in time, and he was like, I guess he had a gas main. I don't know, because that car just went up like a rocket. <laughs> um, then his car got flipped. Dan's car got flipped, and so he um, was he managed to get out of his car, like, wandered into a park, fell asleep like a homeless person, and then was like, oh, well, I just had to find Marilyn's place. And, and they're like, all of this seems reasonable. Good, good job. Good job. So Nancy's like, you need your rest, though. And he's like, I fucking well do. Like, she's giving him water. And she's like, okay, now juice. And he's like, okay, can anyone tell me what the fuck's going on? And so Nancy's like, yeah, yeah, we can tell you now. It's fine. Um, 
the other thing that happens is I think the cop comes up around the same time and he's like, yeah, we found your fingerprints all over the office and um, the perfume is the same as yours and we found the revolver that was used and it was registered to you. And Nancy's like, I know this all looks bad. <laughs> But they tell Marilyn, they're like, yeah, you, you can't leave. Like, you, you got to stay here. So after Nancy's unsuccessful been looking all over the city for wherever this this key might unlock, she finally decides that she's going to call it a day and head back to Marilyn's place. And she's like, oh, I feel really bad about this, but I just I just don't know. There's so many places it could be. Um, when she gets into her cab, she notices two guys that apparently seem to be following her. I don't I guess she spots him on the street. Like, it doesn't... Anyway, I was like, they can't, walk, like, run fast enough. But if she's in, like, hard traffic, they could. Anyway, she spots them and throws some money at the cab driver and gets out of the cab and starts running away from her pursuers. And she she successfully gets away from them, but she notices that she's in Little Saigon, actually. <laughs> the Vietnamese part of town, the same place that um, Marilyn Kilpatrick got the, got the Vietnamese food. So she stops in a... In a restaurant that's near there. Um, I, I think that she sees a restaurant that's near there, but she needs to find a phone because she needs to she needs to call and figure out where she is and, and get out of there. Like, she's afraid to get in a taxi again because she doesn't want them to find her again. But she's like, this place would have lockers. So she goes into the women's locker room, and she notices that, no, the locker numbers don't go all the way up to 600, so this can't be it. So it has to be in the men's locker room. She was like, ingenious. So she sneaks into the men's locker room. She's looking around. She's like, I hope nobody's in here. Towels. Uh-uh. And so she goes to the locker, opens it up, and she's like, this will be the this will be the last chapter of the book. This will be chapter four. This will tell me who the last person is. It'll be great. And so she opens the locker, and it's an envelope full of money. And she's like, what the shit? So she takes the money. <laughs> She's like, okay, so I've got a payoff. I've got the three story chapters. I've got like plausible explanation for, I, I'll take this back to the guy who's investigating. And you know, this will at least try to help clear. And I was like, how would the, uh, sure, honey, it's fine. Um, so Nancy's trying to sneak out when somebody else comes to the locker room. So of course she hides and she sees that it's a Vietnamese guy with a scar down the side of his face. He goes to the same locker. He has a key to it. He opens it up. He sees that it's empty and he curses a lot in Vietnamese. And so Nancy's like, so this money was for him. Shit. So she follows him. She doesn't actually stop him and like explain the situation or anything, but she, she follows him to where he goes and it's to a Vietnamese restaurant that has apartments overhead. So she goes into the, the restaurant because she can't figure out which of the apartments he went into. So she goes in and she's like, um, I need some help. And the waiter of course is overworked and is like, I I can't help you right now. And there's a guy sitting at the counter who was like, hey, can I help you? And she's like, um, yeah, I'm looking for this guy who lives in this building. You might know him. He has a scar on his face. And he's like, oh, you mean Johnny? And Nancy's like, yeah. And he goes, no, no, honey, Johnny has a lot of girlfriends. Like, you need to just walk away from that. And Nancy's like, no, um, that's a business arrangement. And he's like, oh, what kind of business? And Nancy's like, uh government business and he's like are you cia and nancy's like uh no um beverly bishop and he's like i'll be right back and nancy's like yeah 
So, like, I think it's like five minutes later, a dude comes back downstairs and he's like, Johnny, we'll see you now. And he's like, yeah, thank you. So she goes up to his apartment. He's on like the fifth floor, I think. When she walks in, like, she had noticed that he was wearing army fatigues. Or, uh, yeah, I think she says army fatigues when he went to the YMCA. Um, He's got a bunch of, like, war memorabilia in his apartment. Like, pictures of him with soldiers. Like, it just looks like it's, that's his personality. That's his identity. And so she walks in and she's like, okay, so um, I've got your money if you will give me you know, what you had in exchange for the money. And he's like, okay, go ahead and hand over the money. And so Nancy does. And he's like, okay, so here it is. And he brings out, it's a tape. And Nancy's like, okay. And he's like, yeah, not so fast. I know that Beverly's dead. And Nancy's like, shit. And he's like, yeah. So that dude you were talking to downstairs, he watches the news like all the time. And she's been dead like all day. And you, um you got yourself mixed up in this. And Nancy's like, look, um, it's, it's Marilyn Kilpatrick. She's, you know, she's an old family friend and Beverly Bishop was being really mean to her. And I was trying to help her out. And he's like, he's like, well, you know what? Here it is. Nancy's like, who, who are you talking about on the tape? Like, what's, what's this evidence about? And he's like, Matt Layton. And Nancy's like, oh shit. Because Matt Layton is the guy from her state, from her district, actually, who is now, who has now announced that he's challenging Marilyn Kilpatrick for her seat. So there's that. Um, so he's her political rival. And so Nancy's like, can you tell me what, you know, what's going on? And he's like, listen to it. You're welcome to. But, but that's who it is. That's the person who's after you. He was like, so you're, you're going to die soon. Like you just, you just need to know that you got involved in something that was way over your head. So Johnny tells Nancy that he was working for the CIA. He was like basically embedded with like the Green Berets. And so they were running some operations. And so that's how he knows Layton, um, is that Layton was also over there because remember he's a Vietnam War hero. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. Like he's, that is kind of like his cachet. That's, that's what he's using politically to get ahead. So, and Nancy looks around his apartment and she sees a picture of him, of the two of them together, Johnny with Matt. So that kind of, you know, gives some credence to his story. So the bad thing though, is that Nancy, when she goes to the door to leave after she's, okay, she's got the tape, she's got the three chapters of the book. Um, so she's got what she needs. She goes to the door to open it. And it's locked. And she's like, did you lock me? And he's like, of course not. I've got my money. Why would I lock you in here? And the doorknob's hot. And Nancy's like, yeah, um, there's smoke coming out from under the door. Um, where the building's on fucking fire. And so they try to figure out how to get out of there. He's like the fire escape. And Nancy looks at it and she's like, she sees this rickety, like raggedy ass fire escape. And she's like, well, better, better that than death. Um, and so when Johnny like sticks his foot out the window to get on the fire escape, a sniper fucking takes him out. And he's like, oh my God, he killed me. And he like dies right in front of Nancy. And she's like, fuck. So she grabs the picture that she saw of the two of them together and shoves it into her bag as like the walls catching on fire. Like we're talking like straight up action movie at this point where Jason Statham needs to just run in and start punching people, except for there's no one to punch. So Nancy tries to get out of the fire escape. Another sniper bullet comes at her and she's like, okay, no then. So she can't go to the door. 
she can't go at the fire escape. She's like, what the fuck can I do? Like, the, oh God, oh God. He has a chimney. He has a fireplace with a chimney. Nancy goes to the fireplace and looks up and she sees blue sky from the chimney. She's like, okay, I'm probably going to die in this chimney, but okay. So in a nod to the clue of the leaning chimney, she actually like shimmies her tiny ass up that chimney and gets out. Now, here's the funny thing. Like she puts her purse around her neck so that she can hold on to it while she's getting out of there so that it's not gonna like, you know, bang against stuff. So she finally gets to the top of the chimney. She's climbing out of the top of the chimney. She's a reverse Santa. When her purse tips over and the three story chapters fall out of her purse, these are the typed ones, the already written ones, the ones about um, the senator and the judge's wife and the rival gossip columnist, the rival to TMZ, National Enquirer, um, they fall into the fire and they get burnt to a crisp. And Nancy's like, shit, but she's still got the picture and she's still got the tape in her purse. And she's like, okay, okay, I've still got, still got the good evidence. Um, but when she looks around, like the building's clearly on fucking fire. And she's like, what am I going to do? There's like a six foot gap between this building and the next building and so Nancy looks at and she's like I'm gonna have to like there's no way for me to like this building is legit about to burn under me like I'm gonna have to basically make a standing jump and she's like fuck it I got nothing else and so she does she makes a fucking standing six foot jump and manages to get her hands onto the roof of the next building and then her fingers start to slip, and she's like, oh, my God, am I going to die here? Is this how it ends? And she's like, oh, Ned, Bess, George, my dad, I wish that I had time. And then she's like, fuck it, I'm not dying here. <laughs> and she she climbs her tiny ass, like, she gets a little bit of a foothold on, like, a window, like, edging, and she manages to get herself up onto the next roof, and she's like, yeah. And then she's like, Shit. Because, again, snipers, again, as soon as anybody spots her, they're going to know. And, yeah. So, she's like, okay. I am going to hide my purse up here. And I will send the captain after it. I will send him over here to get the evidence. And nobody's going to look for it. So, she hides it under, like, some scrap material from a renovation project that's just been left out on the roof. And she just goes down the stairwell in the other building and walks out and is terrified she's going to get spotted that they're going to that she's going to feel a bullet between her shoulder blades it's just real real bad um but no she just walks out of there like a fucking badass (laughs) again with another dead body um so she's just she's gone through a lot in this book but she's walked it off it's fine um yeah, and so she manages to get back to Marilyn's place, which she was like, I hid my purse. And I was like, please tell me that she kept her wallet so that she could at least get a taxi, but she's afraid of taxis. She's afraid to... Anyway, she eventually gets back to Marilyn's building. When she gets to Marilyn's building, um, Dan's in, in the apartment. Nobody else is. And so Nancy's like, okay, um, so I've solved the case. We need to get to the police station. Dan's like, awesome, let's go. So they open the door, and who's standing there but Matt Layton, who was like, hey, girl, hey, get your ass on the couch. And Nancy's like, shit. So, and Dan's like, I'll just sit over here. And he's like, no, get your skinny ass over next to her. So, who am I fantasy casting as Matt Layton? Now, in the book, he is supposed to be handsome, like chiseled, rugged. I was like, maybe a Liam Neeson type. I really want him to be Madison Cawthorn for reasons. But, I mean, 
At least in this book, Madeline is supposed to be a legit war hero, and Madison Cawthorn is none of those things, so just die. Okay, no, but also yes. Um, so he comes in, and Nancy's like, I can't believe I ever thought he was cute. He is horrible. Like, he seems, she says that there's, like, this arrogant demeanor that he has that is, like, a complete turn off. And I'm like, he's not asking you to bang him, but it's fine. I understand. Um, so he's like, all right, you know that I can't let you leave. And Nancy's like, so what does she have on you? I'm just curious. And she's like, if you're about to kill us, then why not go ahead and tell me? I'm I'm a curious person. I'm curious as a cat. They call me whiskers. <laughs> anyway, so Matt Lane's like, Sure, why not? Get the villain monologuing. Um, when he was in the Vietnam War, um, he and Johnny and some of the people that were also working in the CIA with them would take stuff from the quartermaster and resell it to, you know, whoever might want it. And so Dan's like, you fucking sold weapons to the enemy in Vietnam? And he's like, we didn't know where they went. And quite frankly, we, we gave zero fucks about where they went. And he was like, that's treason. And Matt Layton is like, we didn't fucking care, though. But other people might, so we got to kill you. <laughs> so it's like, okay, where's the evidence? And Nancy's like, um, well, it's I hid it on the roof of the building next door, but I have to go show you. And I was like, girl, never give up the location. Oh, my God. No, tell him that you put it in a hot air balloon. But anyway. So Matt Layton, like, I th- I can't remember what exactly distracts him. I think that maybe there's a knock at the door. But anyway, um, Nancy tackles his ass. He, like, flips her over and sits on her stomach and is about to, like, pistol whip the shit out of her when Nancy manages to grab his hand and, like, jerk it away so that she disarms him. And she saves the day. Like, 100%. Dan's like, I was completely useless at this point. Good job. No big money, no whammies. And so he opens the door it's, of course, the cop who was like, hands up, we heard the whole thing, you son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, remember how Marilyn thought that her home and her office were bugged? Um, they were. Um, her office was bugged, and her home was being surveilled at all times. Um, they knew that Nancy was going to be coming. They knew a lot of shit. Um, yeah. They cops talked to Marilyn Kilpatrick's secretary. You remember the one who was like, maybe we can bang later to Nancy. He remembered that somebody from Matt Layton's office called him and said that they needed him to pick up some papers. And Marilyn Kilpatrick had left her purse on his desk at that point. And that's why, because of the bug in her office, they knew she'd bought a gun. Um, they called her and managed to get to her purse that way, switch out the gun at that point so that they could use it to kill Beverly Bishop because, again, Marilyn Kilpatrick did not bother to report the gun missing until after her body had been discovered, so there's that. Um, Yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, good times. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, um, Carson's there. John Hamm has made his cameo. He's like, I-, I came to see how you were doing, and Nancy's like, I had a real fucking rough day. She hasn't slept in like 36 hours, basically. She had like a tiny nap and she's like, I'm about to crash, but thanks y'all. You're just, just doing great. Just, just doing fabulous work. So yeah, um, that's what happened. Basically, um, Matt decided that he wanted to run for Marilyn's seat and he wanted to discredit her in any way that he possibly could. And so that's why he decided he needed to, to kill Beverly and frame the entire crime on Marilyn. And now the pages are burnt up, so they can't be printed. 
Nancy still has no idea what Della did. Or, I guess, what Jillian did. Nor, nor does she really fucking care, honestly. So, yeah, there's that. Um, yay. Oh, my God. I think the worst thing that happened was... Oh, my God. Let me see if I can even find it. He even... The villain, even in his last speech, is like... Because we're going to make America great again. And I was like, he's a fucking mag. Oh, my God. Is he wearing a red ball cap? Is he wearing a red trucker hat? Oh, my God. Anyway, I was like, no, no, don't, don't make him. No, no. Oh, no. Anyway, so, yeah. Everything's fine. Nobody knows the deep, dark secret that Marilyn Kilpatrick got Teresa Montenegro out of San Carlos by maybe bribing some officials, which is probably the only way she was going to be able to do it. I don't know. Um, and again, everybody who sees Nancy dresses, Teresa is like, Oh my God, I love you. I've seen so many of your matches. You're so good. And so Teresa, like the thought of entering witness protection was horrible to her because she was like, this is like my dream. And she was like, she even says to Nancy at one point when she's feeling real sad, she's like, maybe they'll let me coach tennis. And Nancy's like, Oh honey, like it's okay. It's okay. So yeah. So they go out to dinner afterward. Um, because, of course, John Hamm is there and Sigourney Weaver, so they need to they need to bond over crudite. Um, so, yeah, they, they talk it through, and Carson's like, yeah, if I'd known that all this was going to happen, um, probably wouldn't have wanted you to come here, but, and Nancy's like, bitch, you know you can't stop me. And John Hamm is like, you're correct, though. I love you, but, yeah. And so somebody even, I can't remember who says this, probably the police detective, who was like, you know, you should run for office. And Nancy's like, no thanks. I'm I'm good. I've I've got plenty of shit going on. That's fine. And she ain't wrong. She does have plenty of shit going on. The hilarious thing is that like at one point in the book Marilyn's like, I knew from a young age that I wanted to be in the government. So my everything in my background is squeaky clean and I was like, Nancy is like committing felonies on the regular, so she is definitely not setting herself up for a a lifetime of public service in the government. It's more of a lifetime of public service to the needy slash people she knows who are maybe having bad luck (laughs) anyway um like backing out and looking at this from like a political perspective it's fascinating because it's like oh okay somebody found out that the thing is, like, if you stop and think about it, where she's like, yeah, I bribed a fucking official to get... Everybody fucking loves her. Like, I would... And Marilyn even says at one point, she's like, I kind of just want to hold a press conference and just get it off my chest because that way, like, she won't have blackmail material anymore. And even the printer is like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna publish... We're going to go ahead with the book, even without the last chapters, because the rest of it's going to be great. And also, I was about to say, like, ghoulishly posthumously i'm sure that book is gonna sell like fucking hotcakes so yeah because daryl hannah's a bitch um but yeah it's like seriously if that's the only thing that you can get on her is that she like bribed a government official to get Teresa montenegro who is a national treasure an abducted national treasure go to the united states so that she can basically have asylum here and play professional tennis and everybody loves her like what the that's like the the smallest possible infraction that I can possibly fucking imagine. I mean, unless they're like, and she handed money directly to Nazis. Like, otherwise, come the fuck on. Like, seriously. 
But again, like you have to make this a thing that Nancy can investigate the blackmail, but the blackmail itself cannot be too bad. Like we don't know what Della did. We don't know what Jillian did. We do know that Matt Layton was selling weapons to the Viet Cong, basically. So there's that. I was like, is he going to say that he was involved in some massacres? And he did not say he was involved in some massacres, but yeah. He was like, we did things. And you're like, of course you did fuck. Of course you fucking did. It's It was Vietnam. It was full of bad things. And they, they even say like CIA operatives, that they were working as CIA operatives at the time. And I was like, what you're telling me is that spies are the real enemies. That's, that's what you're, that is what you're giving, is that spies are the enemies all along. That the CIA trying to foment like revolutions all over the globe is, is what you're really saying here. Is that global terrorism is the answer and has been the whole time. I was like, can I fill Delron in here? Did he lie about his war record? And kind of, but also not. Like, mm, no. But there is the whole thing, like, I need to be in office. He even says, like, during his villain monologuing when he's got Nancy at gunpoint, he's like, yeah, I tried to, like, get Johnny a, like, a government job to basically keep him paid off. He was like, he just couldn't find a dependable job after Vietnam. And I was like can we talk about the PTSD that would have been suffered by soldiers at this point? Can we talk about any of that? He was like, he couldn't live with some of what we did. And I was like, and he shouldn't have. Like, sounds like his conscience was behaving appropriately, dipshit. But anyway, so it is fascinating, though. It's like, it does make me think that, like, he had been planning this murder for a long time. And he'd been like, okay, what kind of perfume does she wear? I need to put some perfume on this. Um, She's got a gun. That's perfect. It's almost like he was setting up the circumstances so that Marilyn would, indeed, and he doesn't say that. But it sounds like maybe he was setting up the circumstances so that Marilyn would feel compelled to buy a gun. And so that then he could take it and basically frame her for the crime. Which, again, I mean, it's, like, so fucking obvious. Like, if that were, if I were Marilyn, that would be my defense. I'd be like, I'm Sigourney Weaver, and why the fuck would I buy a gun and on the same fucking day go over to Beverly Bishop's place, knowing that she was writing a book about me, and be like, I'm going to kill that bitch behind her desk with my own gun, leave the gun at the scene of the crime, um, leave my fingerprints everywhere. And she even says, she's like, Beverly handed me that letter. She was like, look at it. This is the letter that you sent me. And so, I've yeah, of course. Yeah, I touched it, but that doesn't fucking mean anything. And yeah, Marilyn had called in Carson because she was like, Carson can save me. John Hamm has this. And you're like, he does though. You're correct on that. So yeah, at the end of the book, um, and I'm almost, I think that Marilyn Kilpatrick pops up again, but it's like in the nineties. I don't think, and I'm sorry, and files like after book 90, I don't think she pops up again until then. So you know, it takes a hot minute. I think that's when she's up for re-election again. Um, but she can't be because it's the same year. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So, yeah. So, yeah, Nancy's left with, like, her friends in high places. Her her senator from her state who was like, oh, you won for getting me out of this murder rap. Which, this book basically takes place over 36 hours. Like, She's going hard. She's Jack Bowering all over the place. She's just facing down terrorists and yelling at them and being like, how dare you? So, yeah. Also, I do love that she's like, I've never had Vietnamese food. And I'm like, really? Is that, that has to be the only thing that you haven't tried in these books. But okay, that's fine. 
I am sad to report that she does not call Ned, but I would argue that she doesn't really have time to. <laughs> She's being chased by people in wingtips. So, you know, that takes it out of a girl. She just doesn't have the time for phone sex. So, just saying. She is, of course, excited to see Ned again because, of course, she is. Who wouldn't be? But, you know, there's that. Also, she does, she's like, Dan, you didn't call Bess, and Bess, and she was heartbroken, and Dan's like, I know, working for a senator is hard, and you're like, sure it is, Elwood's, sure it is, it's fine. Yeah, when you can't find dirt on your opponent, well, manufacture some, <laughs> basically. Next time, we are going to be reading Death by Design, which I fucking love. Oh, my God. We've hit such a good fucking stretch on these books, y'all. And you're like, when are we going to hit a bad one? And I'm going to tell you when that is. And it's like book 47, no, 48 through 50. I'm going to get real, real mad and throw some shit. And it's going to be bad for us. I think that after I do book 30, I'm going to, because that one's uh, December 1988, that I'm probably going to do... A Crime for Christmas, because it's about the right time, and I do love that this one's coming out on Veterans Day after an election, like, it feels very on the nose and apropos, so that's fun, that's fun for all of us, veterans, Congressional Medal of Honor recipients, jackasses, Vietnam War veterans, just, we're, we're just covering everything, I'm covering everything at this point, Madison Cawthorns, just uh, MAGA hats, We are every woman, really. So, until next time, when we get to explore the high-stakes world of high fashion, stay sleuthy, my friends.